This is the Sustain UW podcast, hosted by student interns from the UW-Madison Office of Sustainability. With help from professors, student activists, campus staff, and other guest experts, we're here to investigate common narratives of environmentalism and environmental issues and to question the status quo. What are the trade-offs of different behaviors and everyday choices? What are the environmental issues and innovations of the day? How have people contributed to the sustainability movement? And how can we use all of this information to further our own sustainability journeys? We want to know, what's up with sustainability and where should we go from here? But before we dive into today's episode, we want to remind you that the opinions expressed on the show do not reflect the views of the Office of Sustainability, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, or its Board of Regents. Looking to the future as someone pursuing a career in sustainability and the environment can be nothing short of daunting. There are a million options when it comes to where to work, what kind of work to do, and which of the countless pressing environmental issues to focus on. When it all feels so fuzzy and overwhelming, where do we even begin? Well, that's where Green Paths comes in. I'm your host, Eliza Lindley, and in this series, I talk with the people who have built successful environmental careers in their own lives. I want to uncover how they started out in this field, where they are today, and the often non-linear squiggle of experience that connects the two. In this episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing the Office of Sustainability's very own intern program manager, Dr. Tim Lindstrom. Our conversation will take you from the U.S. to Sweden and back again as we explore Tim's journey from physics undergrad to sustainability intern manager and environmental science professor. I hope you enjoy it just as much as I did. Tim, welcome Hello, to Eliza. the Sustain UW podcast. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, wonderful to be a guest on the show. Well, we're very honored to have you as our first guest. Um, would you be able to start by um, kind of introducing yourself and giving just a very brief, like five sentence synopsis of who you are? Five sentence synopsis, <laughs> sure. <laughs> So my name is Tim Lindstrom. I am the intern manager for the Office of Sustainability. Newly hired, by the way, I started in September of this year, although I've been a grad student at the Nelson Institute for the previous eight or nine years. And I've also worked in various roles in the office over the years. So it's a bit of a homecoming for me and it's very exciting to be back. But um, I'm originally from Kansas City. I have spent most of my adult life in the upper Midwest, either in Chicago or in Madison, with the exception of a couple of years in Sweden. And um, I think that's all I probably should say at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. Um, so let's start by going back in time and kind of walking our way through the path that you've taken to get to where you are now. Um, so you mentioned that you grew up in Kansas City, right? So what was that like for you? Yeah, sure. So we can wind the clock quite a ways. I won't say how long (laughs) we're winding the clock back, but um, yeah, so I grew up in the Kansas City suburbs. For those who don't know, Kansas City straddles the border of Missouri and Kansas. So the natural follow-up question for those in the know is, did you grow up in Missouri or Kansas? And Mm. the answer to that is the right answer, which is Kansas. Um, And so, yeah, it it was lovely. I think I had a fairly 
bucolic um, upbringing in the suburbs of Kansas City. I went to a really good school system. I was very blessed to be able to get a good sort of compulsory education. Love the food and the music scene in Kansas City as well. Um, it's got a very rich jazz and barbecue history. So, you know, I'm someone who you can you can take the boy out of Kansas City, um, but you can't really take the Kansas City out of the boy in this case. And even though I've <laughs> not lived there for the better part of 20 years, there's still a lot that I uh, sort of um, connect with about that place. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Looking back on kind of growing up in Kansas City um, and, you know, being a kid, um, is there anything that sticks out to you as how you kind of first became interested in the environment? Yeah, that's a really good question. I am someone who I think has always had a natural attraction to and love for the environment, whether mostly in the, uh, as a young kid, it was mostly expressed in the form of just a love for animals. I was obsessed with dinosaurs when I was a kid, um, <laughs> but you know, it's certainly, um, I've also a fair number of obsessions for animals that are not extinct. Um, I think for me though, what's maybe a little bit different is I did not really develop a sense of professional interest in the environment or sustainability until much later on in life. I studied physics as an undergrad and in, in college, mm -hmm. and um, it wasn't until even after I graduated from college when sustainability even got on my radar in the first place. So I would say it wasn't until my early 20s when I started to become a little bit more aware of the issues related to climate change and sort of developed a bit of a sense of urgency about some of those issues and wanted to get involved. And so as a recovering physics major, I didn't really know what the best role for me was, but I knew that I was interested in the environment and sustainability and climate change. I knew I had a little mm -hmm. bit of a technical left brain background in school. Um, and I was just starting to figure out at the time that I also liked teaching and being in the classroom. And so um, ultimately, I think the last 10 to 15 years of my life has been an effort to sort of integrate all that stuff. And, um, and yeah, and I think that's brought me to uh, where I am today. That's very cool. I am taking a physics class right now. It's my first ever physics class. And I, oh my God, I can't imagine majoring in this. <laughs> I feel your pain. Uh, sometimes I look back on those years and wonder how and why I even, um, you know, made it through the a <laughs> physics major. But um, ironically, when I was a, a high schooler, I was always sort of uh, naturally inclined to math and science. And mm. um, my physics teacher in high school was really fun. And physics is one of those, I think all disciplines are like this generally, but certainly it applies to physics where the instructor that you have can really make or break your experience um, with that subject. And so mm. I had a great high school physics teacher. And uh, when I was going into college, really all I knew is that I didn't like a lot of subjects enough to study them in depth, but physics was something that was very fascinating to me. And so, yeah, ultimately that's why I decided to pursue that as an undergraduate. That's so true that, I don't know, teachers do so much and they can, like, like you said, like really make or break it for you. So Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting sort of being on the other side of that coin now and being an instructor and um, 
you know, getting to sort of influence, for lack of a better term, uh, sort of the direction of uh, what folks are interested in and, and what they might end up studying. So um, it's kind of, it's a little bit surreal to to be on the other side of that now, but mm-hmm. um, certainly I'm somebody who was very much shaped by my instructors, both in um, high school and in college. Yeah. As you, as you become like an educator yourself, have you like taken specific things from what you learned from your instructors in the past or is it more just like kind of finding your own way I guess <laughs> yeah it's, it's certainly a little bit of both I think um, if I took anything from the instructors that I liked in high school and college it was basically just that if you as an instructor bring a certain amount of energy and excitement into the classroom in what you're talking about and what you're discussing with students I think sometimes or often students will naturally respond to that energy. And mm-hmm. um, uh, the another thing that I've learned is that the extent to which you can sort of connect topics and concepts to uh, what your students are experiencing in their own lives and what they care about, I think that can serve you well as an instructor. Absolutely. So I guess going back to college, um, where did you go to school for undergrad? Yeah, I went to North Park University, which is a small liberal arts college on the north side of Chicago. And most people have not heard of North Park. Um, (laughs) Both my parents went there, but I was also somebody who went to summer camp every year. And Mm. um, it just so happened that the summer camp that I went to, uh, especially as a high schooler, I met a lot of counselors who were from North Park and, um, and I thought they were really cool and really fun. And at the same time, the, uh, the, the fact that North Park was in Chicago, which was not Kansas city was uh, attractive to me. And so um, for one reason or another, it just sort of worked out that North Park uh, ended up being the, the logical choice for me, or at least the best choice for me. And I got to say, I, I, I loved it. There's something about um, being in a small school, but also having Chicago at your footstep. Um, it, it's a nice blend of um, having, you know, the liberal arts experience and the small school experience where class sizes are small and you get a lot of... Um, you know, personal interaction with your instructors, but it's not, um, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And so sure. uh, it was great <laughs> to be able to, yeah, whether it was food or music or festivals or, or cultural things or whatever, it was, it was really fun being um, an undergraduate in Chicago. Yeah. So we've kind of talked about um, academics in college a little bit. What were you involved in, in college kind of outside of class? Yeah. So I think physics certainly occupied a lot of my time as an undergraduate. And I'm actually kind of uh, just very impressed at the number of extracurricular things that the folks in this internship are involved with. Because (laughs) when I look back on my time as an undergrad, it makes me feel like a real slouch. Um, (laughs) I, a job on campus, uh, but mostly from an extracurricular standpoint, what I was involved in was music. When I was a high schooler, I sang in both the the high school choir, but also the chamber singers, and Mm. then sort of continued doing that at North Park. And um, so I sang in the university choir, and I sang in the chamber singers. And that was sort of uh, what I would do when I wasn't studying, basically. And that also just opened a lot of opportunities. Our choir would go on um, tours every now and again. And so after my freshman year, we got to go to the UK and tour around oh, really? for a little bit and sing in these cathedrals and chapels. It was uh, my first experience abroad. And um, and that was, you know, very eye-opening. And then at the end of my senior year, we went back to Europe and toured in um, Austria and Sweden. 
And so, oh, so um, cool. just, yeah, I got super lucky that I got to do two international tours, um, as, as a, uh, as an undergraduate. Wow. I love singing. I, I miss it. Cause I've been in, been in marching band and I mm-hmm. did, I did choir, um, the COVID semester. So spring of 2020. Um, and so that was kind of sad. I missed out on the end of it, but, um, yeah, do you still sing? Yeah, well, um, yes, uh, usually uh, just in the context of my own home or my shower <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess one last question about um, your college experience, I guess. Is there kind of a moment that stands out to you as being particularly kind of important or path altering in terms of like getting from physics to the environment? Um, I think if I could point to like two moments for me that have been sort of, uh, you know, life altering or certainly career altering. Um, one was, uh, the first job that I had actually after, um, after I graduated, I, I worked at a community college on the North side of Chicago. Um, it's called Oakton community college. Mm-hmm. And I was hired as the physics lab manager. Uh, and so basically I just set up laboratory experiments for classes and ran the department's budget. But what I got to do a little bit of was work with students and mm. um, and help students out sometimes who are struggling with labs or learning different concepts in physics. And that's sort of when I first realized I had counseled at the same type of camps that I went to as a kid. And so I had worked with, with young people before in the context of camp and camp counseling. Um, but this is my first time being able to work with students in sort of an academic environment. And, mm-hmm. uh, I just was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed it. And that, uh, sort of planted the seed of pursuing a career in education. Then the other thing was actually the first planet earth series. Oh. Yeah. That came out in 2006. And so it was the same year that I graduated from North park. And as a lover of nature and the environment, I was first of all, just stunned by the cinematography, but that series also was sort of one of the first ones to really explicitly connect what people were seeing to the effects on those environments from human beings and um, and making connections to climate change and other things. And so planet Earth was really what put those types of issues firmly on my radar. And, um, and so I, I really sort of look at that series as sort of a catalyzing moment for me too. That's very cool. You're so right about the visuals. It's just stunning. Just yeah. really, really grabs you. David Attenborough is wonderful, uh, <laughs> but it's not just his ability to tell stories about the environment. It was what those folks caught on film. And yeah, I think it's just a, a nice reminder of the power of media to change hearts and minds. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I wanted to ask what it was like for you, like when you graduated and kind of what, how that job search went. So yeah, there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty and anxiety, I think, that connect to that moment in your life when you're finishing up school and, and starting to think about jobs and careers and things like that. I was really fortunate in that the job search, uh, as it were, lasted for about three or four months. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was actually a friend of mine that I went to college with who had already gotten a job at Oakton, and he was the chemistry lab manager. Um, Ah. And so thanks to him, he was the one who told me about the fact that the current physics lab manager at the time was leaving and encouraged me to apply and put in a good word for me. And so like so many other people, the, I'm one of those people who benefited from the network that I had that I didn't really realize that I had.
One thing we like to talk about at the, the OS is the idea of like a career squiggle. So I'm wondering um, if you'd be able to walk us through kind of your squiggle after that first position at Oakton. Yeah. So I squiggled hard after college. <laughs> um, and if there's any sort of life lessons that I've taken away from that period of my life, it's that uh, what you study in college and even what you study in grad school does not lock you into one specific career path or, um, or life uh, in general. Um, and so there's sort of leaning into that a little bit and sort of um, accepting that, you know, maybe you will go off and get a job that's exactly pertains to what you studied and you're going to go do that for 30 years. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for a lot of people, uh, that's not the case. And, and that's also totally okay. My intentions after finishing my undergraduate was to get a master's degree in medical physics. Um, my mom's a radiation mm-hmm. oncologist. So I grew up in a world of healthcare, but, uh, but specifically cancer treatment. And while I did not necessarily have the intestinal fortitude to be a, a physician myself, um, I was very fascinated by the physics behind treating cancer and the machines that are used to do that. And when I learned that most of these offices or departments have medical physicists on staff, I was like, okay, that sounds like something that I would want to do. And so that was kind of my plan coming out of college was I was going to maybe take a couple of years off and then go back to grad school and then become a medical physicist. And then that was going to be the rest of my life. Obviously that did not happen. And, um, and so instead what happened was I worked at Oakton for about three years During those three years, I became more and more interested in education. And at the same time, as we talked about, I was becoming more interested in the environment and climate change. And so I picked up a second job, a side gig, if you will, uh, tutoring for uh, high school students that were planning to take the ACT or SAT. And so I got a little bit more experience working um, in an educational context. And um, yeah, around about 2008, 2009, I sort of got a bug to live abroad. And Mm. uh, I'd done a semester abroad in Sweden as an undergrad because, of course, it's North Park, it's Swedish, and they have an exchange program over there. And I'd always been interested in the idea of moving there and trying to live there for a little bit. And Mm. so not speaking the language very well at all. I just literally started Googling jobs in Sweden for English speakers. And Mm -hmm. uh, what I came across, among other things, was uh, some schools that um, hire English-speaking expats to teach STEM classes to Swedish kids in in English. Oh, perfect. (laughs) I I know, right? So these schools, they're basically, there's a number of them in Sweden. It's all under one umbrella company. Um, but they have this model where half of the classes, the social science classes generally are taught in Swedish and then the STEM classes are taught in English. And, you know, even though I didn't study education, I was dabbling and getting interested. And because I studied physics as an undergrad, my thought was, oh, I can totally teach, you know, middle school level science. How hard Mm -hmm. can that be? What I sort of totally underappreciated was all of the other things that teaching involves. And so I... I literally cast my resume out to pretty much every principal of every school in that system, which was about 15 or so schools, and and said, here's who I am. Interestingly, one of them wrote back and said, actually, we need a science teacher who speaks English, and we need one really badly, and we don't care that you didn't study education. Um, <laughs> they kind of hired me on a whim. And really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so I went out there in the fall of 2009 to a town called Gävle in Sweden. 
and uh, worked at a middle school there and ended up being there for two years uh, teaching science to Swedish kids who were 13, 14, 15 years old. And that, I think, ultimately solidified that I really liked teaching and I really liked being in a classroom and working with students. And so Sweden to me sort of, I mean, living there was like a model of a society that I wanted to live in and that I wanted the U.S. to sort of look like as well a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I would say Sweden sort of served to reinforce both my interest in climate change and sustainability, but also my interest in teaching. And so mm -hmm. by the time I moved back in 2011, I was pretty firmly committed to going to grad school for sure at that point, but going to grad school in particular for uh, in some some environmental field. And so uh, ultimately, that's that's how I wound up in Madison uh, at the Nelson Institute. Wow. So I squiggled in the end. <laughs> that's really cool that you're kind of like ambiently exposed to that just based on like living somewhere new and just doing things a different way. And I don't know, I've only ever lived in the US. And um, mm -hmm. sometimes you get so caught up in just being in one place that you forget that there are a lot of different ways of structuring things and handling different issues. And so once you got to Madison, what was grad school like for you? It was an interesting experience to get thrown into because I had taken six years off from undergrad to grad school and did not intend to take that much time, but it ended up being really beneficial because it allowed me to explore some of these new interests. And had I not taken six years, um, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, you know, and that's sort of another squiggle uh, element to, to my life, or at least my professional life is that had I sort of stuck with my quote unquote plan coming out of college, I would be nowhere near uh, what I'm doing right now. Um, but that's all to say that, yeah, after six years of not being in a classroom, it was weird being in a classroom, sitting on the other side and taking notes again and studying for exams and um, learning stuff. It was it was kind of equal parts surreal and, and also invigorating because, uh, you know, from my standpoint, I was finally sort of getting to consciously pursue what I otherwise had sort of thought about doing and was interested in doing. But I felt wholly unprepared. You know, I was... <laughs> I was a, a recovering physics major. I hadn't been in school for six years. <laughs> I did not study education or environmental stuff when I was an undergrad. And so I showed up at the Nelson Institute and just didn't really have a great idea for where my niche was going to be because there were some students that were heavily involved in studying certain species or certain ecosystems, doing mm. field work in places like Cameroon or Namibia or Russia or whatever. And I sort of came in and I was like, well, I study physics and I know a little bit about technical things and I'm, I'm left brained um, and I kind of like education and I'm interested in sustainability and what am I supposed to do with all that? And so thankfully it was uh, my advisor, Kathy Middlecamp, who I think initially recognized what I could bring to the table and sort of how my different experiences and interests could be utilized uh, for things that she was engaged with, which at the time was working on a campus-based sustainability class and a class that looks at systems and uh, sustainability issues from the standpoint of the campus. And so she needed someone to help her design energy-themed laboratory activities for this class. And when she said, hey, you studied physics, you probably do pretty well with energy stuff. Um, I was also doing the energy analysis and policy certificate as a master's student. So yeah, I think I, I got to give credit to Kathy for being able to see the the sculpture and the block of ice that uh, is is unsculpted and, and, and needs polishing <laughs> and refining. And, um, and she ultimately, I think, 
put me on the path that I that I am on now, which is sort of uh, firmly engaged in sustainability education and campus-based sustainability. And that's really become my niche, if you will, is sort of campus sustainability, systems thinking, life cycle assessment stuff. I guess, obviously, all that stuff, like campus sustainability and life cycle assessments and all that stuff feeds into a lot of what we do at the office. What else contributed to your interest in um, becoming the intern program manager? Yeah. So I think uh, also got to give Kathy credit there because she, uh, for quite a while, was the sort of academic and research director for the Office of Sustainability, which basically just meant that she managed the folks who managed the interns and, mm. um, and sort of ran the office from the academic side of the house. And so when I wasn't doing campus-based sustainability classroom planning, she was able to plug me into different roles at the office uh, to, again, utilize some, some of my interests and experience and, and developing skills. And so there was at least two or so summers where I worked very closely with the incoming group of, of student interns to, to basically help them onboard throughout mm -hmm. the summer and worked with the, the person who at the time was the interim director uh, to do that. And then I also, thanks to Kathy and other folks, got involved in this styrofoam collection and uh, recycling program that had started by a postdoc in engineering, but then got mm. folded into what the Office of Sustainability was doing. I was just kind of fortunate as a grad student to um, have a number of different opportunities to work uh, alongside folks in the Office of Sustainability, both staff like Nathan and Ian and those kind of folks, um, but also the interns as well. And very much enjoyed what I got to do. Uh, you know, it's like, um, just like I enjoy being in a classroom with undergraduates, it's, it's equally as enjoyable, if not more enjoyable to be in a room with undergraduate interns who are working for the Office of Sustainability and getting to sort of uh, work alongside their interests and their passions and their excitement and their creativity. Yeah, when the opportunity came around to, to sort of come back and uh, and lead the intern program, but also continue teaching as well. It was an opportunity that it was just tailor made for what I had been doing the last you know decade or so of my life, and uh, was just too good to to pass up. <laughs> That's really cool. I mean, especially since you were tangent to the office for so long in different ways, you're here now. <laughs> I'm here now. I'm back. And uh, yeah, what's what's kind of funny too is when I was um, still a PhD student, there was a semester where I, I filled in sort of as the interim director of the intern program mm -hmm. because the folks who were managing the program stepped away and, and we were sort of, and it happened at the beginning of a semester too. And so Kathy emailed me one day saying, Hey, you were going to work on this for the semester. Instead, do you want to basically pilot the ship for a semester while we look for more permanent replacement? And so I got to do that. And it was nice to be able to have that experience under my belt and sort of have a good understanding of what managing the intern program meant, um, at least from like a day-to-day -day perspective. And uh, so, yeah, that is certainly um, kind of fun and, and neat in a lot of ways to be able to come back here uh, on a full-time basis and in a more permanent role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know in addition to this job, you also teach a class. Um, so I'm wondering, have you found any challenges in particular in terms of balancing those kind of roles or responsibilities or what has that been like for you? Yeah, it's been an interesting challenge or transition. Um, I should mention that the class that I teach is the same one that uh, I helped Kathy develop in my early years as a grad student. And so mm -hmm. I've been 
connected to this course in one way or another for a decade, either as a TA wow. <laughs> or as a co-instructor of record when I was doing it uh, with Tom Bryan, another uh, Nelson grad. Um, mm -hmm. Or more, more recently, the last couple of years, I've just been the instructor of record and sort of my last two years as a grad student, I was teaching that class in addition to trying to finish my PhD. And so now I get to still teach that class um, and not do dissertation work and instead <laughs> work with interns too. So that part's really fun. It's been a challenge to, uh, because this class does take a fair amount of time. It has a lot of moving parts. It's a four credit class with a laboratory component. And so there's just a lot of, yeah, a lot of work and logistical stuff that goes into the class. But thankfully I've been doing it for long enough that it doesn't occupy maybe as much of my time as it used to. And mm -hmm. then most of this first part of the semester has been, yeah, trying to find that balance between what I need to give of myself to that class and the students, and then what I need to be giving of myself to the interns and the program um, and trying to sort of make that work while also striving for some kind of work-life balance. And I think, you know, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting couple of months to, to figure that out and I'm still figuring it out, but, um, you know, I can certainly say with full confidence, uh, that, you know, two months in, I'm very, uh, happy with what I'm doing and enjoying this new role. And so actually the most interesting challenge so far this semester has been, um, coming back to in-person things, largely in-person, although still mm -hmm. some semblance of virtual things sort of reemerging from, this pandemic that we've all been dealing with, and certainly on campus, um, the day-to-day -day life on campus today looks a lot different than it did a year ago. And there was a big transition to go all virtual about a year and a half ago. And it's been also an interesting transition to come out of that. And, um, and I think um, navigating that has been um, probably one of the bigger challenges uh, that I've uh, recognized, at least so far in the early going. Yeah. So less so like balancing responsibilities and more like balancing like people in this weird transition we're all going through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Balancing people and what they need, um, mm -hmm. both intellectually, but also emotionally and, and just being, trying to um, prioritize folks' mental health and what they're dealing with. And also just kind of recognizing that this is kind of an interesting, delicate time that we're all in. And, it, and it's presented impacts in the classroom, but it's also presented impacts in the, in the Office of Sustainability as well. Yeah, I think just sort of recognizing that and and knowing that not, not just this semester, but this next year, I think is, is just going to be one in which I, as as, a, as an instructor or, or a manager, just need to, to be extra cautious and aware of what folks are dealing with and the effect that this has all had on, on us as a society, but as a, as a campus community as well. So I guess my last question, um, do you have any advice for current college students or soon-to-be graduates? Um, any last messages that you would like to share? One piece of advice that I certainly have that's benefited me over the years as I look back on my own path does come back to that squiggle. It's okay to have intentions and plans and to, you know, have an idea of, of what you want to be doing or what you think you might want to be doing coming out of school. But I, I would just encourage folks to be open to the possibilities that life throws at you. And whether that is, you know, in my case, feeling that little nudge of, hey, uh, working with students is actually kind of fun. Like maybe you should, you should think about that a little, a little more and, and, and pursue that a little bit. Um, or whether it's, hey, this climate change thing is, is kind of, you know, something that makes you feel 
anxious and, and, uh, and, you know, sort of worried, um, maybe you should listen to that. And, and what can you do about that? And so I think intuition is a very powerful thing, whether, you know, folks call it gut instinct or whatever. Um, but often when your gut is telling you something, you know, sometimes it, it might be right. And I think listening to those little nudges that you get that uh, either come from within or maybe come from without, you know, little life life experiences that might make you think about something a little differently, or or consider, uh, you know, maybe I should think about this or or go in this direction, zig when I could zag, or or that that kind of thing. Just be open to that, and I think trust the process. Being here and being in this position as as undergraduates, um, you you do have a tremendous amount of of opportunity and a tremendous amount of say. In, in what you can do uh, going forward, there will be moments of doubt or frustration. Trust the process, you know, um, continue to, to listen to yourself and to be true to what, um, to what you care about. You might end up being pleasantly surprised by where life takes you. And that's certainly been the case for me and, and certainly something that I would wish for, uh, you know, anyone who's on their way out of UW-Madison and, and thinking about what, what's next in life. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, Tim, thank you so much for talking with me today. I had a really great time um, getting to know you better and learn more about your life. And um, you're a pretty cool boss. So, <laughs> Eliza, it was a pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks to the director of the Office of Sustainability, Missy Nuregaard, and to the director of Sustainability Education and Research, Andrea Hicks. Thanks to Nathan Yandel, Assistant Director of and De Facto Communications Expert of the Office of Sustainability, and to Tin Lindstrom, Director of the OS Student Intern Program. Thanks to the Nelson Institute for Environmental Studies and to the Facilities Planning and Management. The making of this episode required a lot of behind-the-scenes work from the entire OS podcast team, which consists of Rose Adler Reppin, Norma Baron Martinez, Gwen Kelly, Cora Clemmy, Eliza Lindley, Grace Martin, and Kylie Thomason. Until next time, continue thinking about how to best sustain UW.